guys, I'm Jen, owner of Jen Davis Design. And I'm Giselle, owner of Wander Design Co. We're so excited to welcome you to Better, a brand designer podcast. We have open and honest discussions about what it's really like to run a design business, diving into the stuff you just don't see on Instagram. We're all about giving you actionable advice and fostering a supportive community of the coworkers you're missing. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hey guys, welcome back to Better, the brand designer podcast. We are so excited to hang out with you today and double excited because we have a special guest with us, Steph Wharton. Thank you, Steph, so much for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited for what we're going to be talking about. Yay. Awesome. Okay. So let's start out with our intro question. If you had one brand designer superpower, what would it be and why? So who wants to answer first? We can have Steph go first. Yay. Sure. This, I feel like it's a hard one. Usually when I think superpowers, I think flying. Uh, (laughs) So going on the tangent, I feel like being in two places at once would be really helpful. And that could be almost twofold because right now what I find is I find it really hard being busy, being busy inside the business and on the business and being able to balance the design work and just all the other projects that I have going on. So I feel like being two people would be so beneficial. And then let's say one day I went to hire people and then download some of my work, then I could just be traveling. One of me could be traveling and the other one could be working. So pretty great superpower, I think. There's a Netflix show right now called Living With Yourself where the guy like clones himself and he actually has like another version of himself. And I'm like, wow, that would be super convenient. So that's that's amazing. I would even triple that and make one like my housemaid. Yes. Oh my gosh. A bunch of Giselles running around. (laughs) Amazing. As you say that, I'm looking at the kitchen and there's so many dishes that need to be done. And I'm like, yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But honestly, you would still have to do the dishes. It would just be another version. Yeah. But at least you're getting it done. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's true. Yeah. So when I read this question, I thought that it was like a current superpower that we feel like we have in our business. So I'm like thinking like, wow, okay, this is like way crazier than like what I thought the original question was. Yeah, think big. Yeah, Giselle, why don't you go and I'll think about my answer. So I thought about this because I'm actually the one that wrote this question. Ha ha ha. And mine, I think would be uh, reading the client's mind because then whether like I agree with them or not, I know what to say to tell like, steer them in the right direction and be like oh you know I know what you're thinking you want to do it pink but I say (laughs) and stuff like that and then that way like we can finish projects faster Uh, I just feel like it would be like the root of the problem (laughs) that is absolutely brilliant that is amazing (laughs) that is amazing okay I thought of two first one pause time and that kind of goes along with Steph's answer be able to get more done in the day but Jumping off of Giselle's answer, I'm going to go a little crazy and say mind control because (laughs) I want that perfect no changes email every time. So if we're talking blue sky, that's what I would go with. Yeah. Instead of asking, how do you like this? Like, tell tell me how you like it. I know. Like, wave your hand like the force, like the logo is approved, you know? Yes. (laughs) That's great. So wonderful. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's dive in. Um, Steph, we would love to have 
have you introduce yourself to our listeners, tell them a little bit more about your background, your business, where you've been and where you're going. I guess when it comes to in a business sense, I consider myself a brand strategy expert. I do work with brand design and I do work with web design, but my bread and butter really is strategy. And the way that I bring that into my business is by helping creatives and coaches feel aligned inside of their business so they can attract dream clients and then scale with confidence. I find that that's something that is really helpful, whether it's with sales calls on social media, to feel that you're living in your true power. It helps you not only build the business, but then your work, it really gets reflected on that. You design your best work, you work with the best clients, and it just spirals out of there. So it's really, I guess, my zone zone of genius and where I feel the most uh, comfortable. So... A little bit of background. I started this as a side hustle, as I'm sure a lot of people have. I worked my nine to five as an insurance broker. I loved it for a little bit, but after a while, it started getting a little bit too stressful, too hectic. It was out of our control. It's not that necessarily the job wasn't good. Uh, The market was just hitting a rough spot. So my mental health started to deteriorate. So through that, I was trying to find an outlet. So I started taking course after course after course. And one of them happened to be around brand design. And I absolutely fell in love. So that was my calling and my moment where I realized, I didn't exactly realize that I wanted to run a business, but I realized that this was a hobby. This is something that I could do every day after work and on weekends. And it did spiral out of control. I ended up launching my own business. I ended up loving it. So I guess that's exactly how I got here. And a year later, I quit my nine to five, moved across the country and just went full time in my business. It was best decision ever. That is so (laughs) similar to what so many people have experienced you know, in their past and every, every road is a windy, windy, twisty road. But that's so cool. I love that moment when you discover this like passion in your heart. And I think for all of us, like that is the reason why we do what we do. You know, you can't work from home and have your own business unless you have that passion at the end of the day. That's like separate from the money, separate from the clients and, you know, the Instagram and and all that. So that's really encouraging to hear. How long has it been since you purchased that first course and then started making it a hobby and then turned it into a business? I want to say... I started taking courses the end of 2017. So it has now been just over two years. So yeah, it took two years to transition, find my passion, build my business, take it full time. I even did like a pivot in there from strictly brand design to then brand strategy. So yeah, just over two years. And I love what you said about the brand strategy too. Um, I find that like super important in just creating like a lot of intentional content and deliverables for your clients. Like what kind of exposed you to that and what made you want to follow that more than like the brand design and the brands, the websites? That's a good question. I feel like it happened as a fluke. It was one of those where every client that I was working with, I started handholding more and more and more, maybe because the designs that we were creating weren't quite working. It wasn't what they liked or what they were expecting. So I realized that there was a lot more method behind the madness and that we had to lay that foundation first and figure out what are their goals? How do they want to grow the business? Who do they want to attract and how? And based on that, we could actually build something that was a little bit more meaningful and purposeful that wasn't necessarily a pretty image, but had a lot of strategy behind it. That way the brand could last a couple more years. So through that and through strategy, it's essentially like mini coaching. We have a set number of calls. We go through that process and it really helps them feel more confident in their brand overall because 
it lays a foundation as to how they're going to show up every day. Like what kind of copy are they going to use in their, whether it's website, social media, they have their messaging down pat and they know exactly how to uh, elicit that emotional response from their ideal clients that everything just feels much more confident and uh, meaningful going forward. So then the brand, the visual identity, yes, obviously sometimes we have to go through way too many revisions, but it's, it's just much more, it's easier to find what's going to work and what kind of, whether it's colors or random elements that are going to work in their favor. Let's start talking about that. This episode is all about the design process and we do want to have some Q&A, but we would love to have this be kind of a roundtable discussion really of just hearing from different designers on their design process from inquiry to offboarding and, you know, what it is, why it's important that we have an established design process and just kind of like the variations because it is going to be different for everyone. So Steph, would you tell our listeners what a design process or even just a process for one of your clients, what does that mean? Like, why is that important that we as business owners have an established process and how does that help our clients and ourselves be more successful? Absolutely. The design process is something that it's like you said, it does vary from person to person. And I think some people maybe interpret the question a little bit differently, but the way that I see it is just, it's the exact steps that you take all the way from prospecting to offboarding, like you mentioned. So it includes all of that. So it's really um, guiding people through the entire process so that one, they don't feel lost and they're not wondering, well, I've never worked with a designer before. I don't know when do I pitch in, when do I get something back, et cetera. So it provides a lot of comfort and confidence around that. But essentially, uh, the reason why I find it so valuable and important to know what your design process is, is that it keeps you on track. Sometimes it's you get too sidetracked with like, let's say the mood board and research and all of a sudden you're like two weeks in and you realize, oh no, this project is only supposed to be a month long. So keeping you on track, saving time, honestly, like having your, whether it's email uh, blurbs, like you tend to say the same verbiage over and over regardless of whether you are in the process with different clients. So to have that all down packed as part of your process is really, really beneficial. And honestly, you also learn from yourself and from things that you see online. So I find that whenever you go through an experience with one client that maybe wasn't the most positive, you can learn from that and embed it to your process going forward. So it's all about that, make it as effective as possible so that not only do you provide the best experience, but you also provide the best results. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, efficiency is a really, really big reason why a tried and true design process is so valuable to us. And that process is like constantly being iterated on, you know, at least in my experience, like you said, stuff, it's trial and error. Like, like, for example, I had a discovery call a couple days ago and I started talking about website copy because I like to bring up early that my clients are required to provide high quality potentially professionally written website copy and professional brand photography. And my client, the potential client started getting really confused. She's like, well, I already have website copy, you know, like, and so I felt bad bringing that up and I realized that I wasn't explaining it properly. And so in the future, in my discovery calls, maybe I don't touch on that quite yet. And I just more focus on my services and what I can do for the client. So that's something that I learned from and I'm going to implement in the future as well. Having a process, like you said, Steph, and 
and Utugen helps you stay on track. It also helps you produce the results faster because you've stayed on track and, and everything's a bit more strategic in that way. And like, you know, Jen was saying, having to go back to that and refine it every time you go up another little hurdle and be like, okay, how can we make this better? Or if a client keeps asking or different clients keep asking the same question, you look back on your process and you think, okay, like, how can I make this process eliminate this question by implementing that part of it into my process or something like that. And I feel like right now I'm in the state of transition because I'm writing out my process. Besides that, though, I feel like I can just like tell you like right away what it is. Um, And I think Jen, you and I have sort of talked about like the elaborated version of our process with the one concept episode, I think it was. Yeah, I think for with that episode, we we dove in really specifically to like the concept presentation phase of the process. But I would I would love like if we could just all three very briefly, very briefly go around and just if you had to like give someone an elevator pitch of your process, what would that sound like? Just to give a quick overview of stuff. Do you want to go first? Sure, absolutely. So if we're talking about somebody that I haven't jumped on a call first, I like to mention my first phase, which is landing a client. So that's they fill out a pre-discovery call questionnaire. That way I can make sure to filter out whether they're a dream client or not. Then we jump on a free discovery call about half an hour to talk about their needs. And then I present a proposal. So that's landing the client. If we've already jumped on a call, we've got three phases. The first is onboarding client questionnaire and strategy call. That's where we establish where we're going to take the direction of the design. The second phase is concept delivery and feedback. So this could take up to two weeks going back and forth and fine tuning. And the final is the last week of the design process, which is you finalize brand guidelines and then I offboard and get testimonials. That was like amazing. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so impressed. <laughs> that was seriously amazing. Yeah. My process sounds incredibly similar to yours. We have like the pre phase with onboarding that includes everything you said, you know, including, you know, proposal, contract, invoice, all that. And then brand strategy phase, which is questionnaire, mood board, refinements on that. Brand design phase, you know, developing the logo. We talked about this extensively in the one concept method, refinements. And then the final phase, which is, I I like to call it wrap up, where I send off all the files, you know, collect all the final information that I need, you know, um, get that final invoice, get the testimonial, and then maybe even send the client a little gift at the end. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, that's something that I want to start doing with my clients too. So I'm going to have an intake form at the beginning and ask for the address. That way I can send them a gift because I... I've had I've been the recipient of this and I love how it makes me feel. So I can't imagine like how they're going to feel. So that's a great one. Yeah, similar to both of you, uh, basically the same thing. Um, uh, I actually with my uh, business coach from last year, who is going to be in our um, one of our guests later this season, she had me do a visual of my process. And it's like a like a little adventure map. Oh, my (laughs) so it's just Guys, it's like a yes or no thing. We need to like somehow get a visual of this to people. That this is amazing. Giselle just held up her little notebook and it has like this like flow chart of her process. This is so amazing. I'm That's really detailed. I love I'm that. I'm floored. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and it's great to like the reason why we we did this is because um I was having a very hard time telling her about my process and she told me, "Well, you're a visual person. Why don't you like draw it out?" And so I did and I had so much fun with it. So 
little side note, work with your strengths. I know. <laughs> Homework for everyone. Make a flow chart of your process. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it starts off with, you know, the inquiry. And then from there, uh, usually the inquiry for me is going to be either a referral email or somebody re- filled out my contact form. It's a Dipsado form on my website. And it has like some questions in there already. So from that, if I can, sometimes I can tell right away, oh, I'm not the right person for them. Maybe they just started out. Maybe they're like inquiring too generally. So they actually don't know what they want. So I like to work with people that have a very good idea of what they want. What Like despite of the design part of it, it doesn't matter. It's more about like, this is what the result that I want. And those are the kind of my people. If it ends up being like something that like I'm interested in and it looks like they're a good fit, then we'll hop on a call. I'll ask them to schedule a call with my scheduler. And then we get on either a video call or a phone call. I don't know about you guys, but usually they prefer a phone call. Is that yeah. the same for you? Yeah. yeah. I think pe- people like phone calls a little bit more because then they don't have to like look nice. Like me right now. <laughs> I'm not wearing makeup. <laughs> I've been really lucky that a video call hasn't been questioned too much, but I did have one person who was shocked and they were like, wait, I'm not ready. I'm just wearing like something that's not okay to be shown up on video. And I'm like, oh, okay. And it was weird because it was the first one. So I didn't know what to do. I'm like, I can't call you because you're in the States and I'm in Canada. So it's going to be long distance. So I was like, don't worry. I was like, just close your camera. We'll still do the Zoom call. But I, w- I won't judge. I won't look at you. We'll be good. That's so funny. Put a piece of tape over the like. The right. Yeah. <laughs> and based off of that, I'm really gauging to see like if we're vibing well, because that is going to be someone that you're going to be working with. And as we were kind of talking about earlier, like finding out the kind of bumps on the road that you didn't quite enjoy. There was one that had like a call with them. And I felt so rushed the entire time during the call. He was speaking very fast. Like he wanted like quicker deadlines and like this these are the clients that he was working with and this and that and and he just like like the whole thing just felt like I'm feel like I'm racing him but I decided to take take on the project because I was excited about it like the kinds of people that they work with like are my kind of people as well so I thought I might as well try it out and so I did and sure enough like no surprise to me the entire process ended up being that way and now like at the end of it, I'm like, all right, like now I have to be more serious about if I'm, you know, the kind of vibes that you're getting during that first call. So anyway, after the that first call, I send a customized proposal and um, I always give them three options. And then from there, they book one of the options and uh, we start doing the discovery phase, which is basically the brand strategy, but I don't call it that. But that's again, like I'm transitioning a lot. So I'm going to start calling like a brand strategy. And like you were saying, Steph, like I've just found a lot, a lot of value in like having these exercises that you create with the client so that you get deeper into what they tell you. Because a lot of the times like you can't design for the client when they're telling you one thing, but like the deeper root of the problem is like further in and you're not asking the right questions or they're not just, you know, they're just kind of giving you the surface level answers. So because of that, like I'm adding that in for the discovery phase and it involves the the mood board and like the answers like to the questions like forming it all into like a document a very pretty document I might add (laughs) (laughs) and um, once they approve of that then we move over to concepting and creating the one concept method which we had talked about before presenting that one concept having um, a couple of revisions at most and then wrapping it up with if they want like a retainer package with us or if they have any other marketing materials that they want us to design. And then I don't really have an offboarding process, but I guess like the offboarding, the 
brand identity process. I just give them the Google Drive link. I give them like a little summary, document summary of like, these are the files that you have and like a style sheet or a brand guideline or a booklet, depending on what the price range was, um, the brand identity package was. So that's usually it. And then I do a follow-up asking them like if they needed anything else and if they want, um, if I could have a testimonial or if they have a referral for me and I offer that 10% commission for referrals. Yeah, that's great. I mean, like it honestly sounds very similar between the three of us. And that's, I think I find that very interesting because like stuff's not even in the United States. Like, you know, (laughs) and like, I'm not saying that like as a bad thing, but it's just, it just goes to show that like there have been a lot of different processes and they've been refined and refined and refined and people have learned from one another. People have taken courses. Um, Giselle and I both took different branding courses and yet we have still made our way to processes that sound very similar. So I I think that there is something to take away from that and that, you know, if you find something that works for you or you follow a designer who has some resources that you know or you think might work really well for your business, definitely do your research, you know, look look outside of your business. You know, we talk all the time, you know, create before you consume. With your process, it's okay (laughs) to go and see what has worked well for other people. Try it out yourself. That's probably the best advice I could give around that. Adding to that too, like it's like standing on the shoulders of giants. Like, why are you going to go and reinvent the wheel when you can like invest a little bit in learning about someone else's process? Like Jen and I did stuff. I would love to hear how you came up with yours. But it's like, yeah, we started off with you know, for me, it was a shareworthy design course. For Jen, it was the uh, branding with Brie. Uh, branding with Brie, and we've adapted it since then, right? Because yes. we've just like refined and it's been real life experiences and what's worked for us and our personality and our own preferences. And just having a process like that has been like fundamental for my business. I don't know how I would still be running if I didn't have a process. There wouldn't and- be a Jen Davis design. <laughs> yeah, process. I'm sure and stuff's the same Which way. is why I like really emphasize having like, um, I recently invested in developing a web design process because I realized I didn't have one and I kind of had like chicken scratch process like little tidbits of here and there of things that I've learned but I decided you know what I need to like invest in a course that's going to teach me about a process and I've talked about it on the Facebook group and now we have an affiliate link to help us with the podcast expenses so if you guys want (laughs) to check it out go ahead but yeah Steph like how did you come up with your process like what was your experience for me it's a bit of a mix so the courses that I took they only gave you the bare bone foundation so it was more about establishing that you need a mood board, you need a brand style guide, and you need a client questionnaire. So through that, I honestly wasn't ready to start getting clients with just that. And I think it was because as an insurance broker, I did that, I worked in that role in that industry for six and a half, almost seven years. And through that, we dealt with clients on a daily basis and the processes were so similar and repetitive that we actually had very structured and uh, useful templates. And I, with my, whether it was my design interest or just my love for templates and Excel sheets and all that, I actually went in and would enhance them and add things as we went along, as I learned more about the clients and the process. So I was like, well, how can I replicate that inside the design world? Like, this is not enough. I can't just send somebody a file of a, logo and just expect them to understand what it is that I'm talking about and why it's going to work for their business and why they should just say yes and not "Mm, maybe do you want to tweak this so through that I figured out 
the different, I outlined my process and I decided that each step of the process should have a template. And I try to figure out why that would be beneficial, whether that's to save time or explain the thought process about a design or teach them how to use their brand once they're done. Because your brand, like what you've designed is only as powerful as the way it actually gets implemented. And a lot of people use the wrong file sizes or resolutions and then it's fuzzy and blurry and then they start putting on all these other fonts. It doesn't happen all the time, but with the time that it happens, you're like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my baby. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there's different reasons why I essentially went in and dug deep and tried to figure out um, all these templates. And as I started landing more clients, I started to realize what was working, what was and what needed to be fine-tuned. And it got to the point that I had a system that I was truly confident in. Yeah, I think there's something to really be said about the confidence that you have in your process. That I think is one thing that really helps me sell when I'm on those discovery calls. Clients are always talk, you know, they, I was, I don't know if, I I think I might've been talking to Giselle about this, but uh, you know, clients always want to jump into the design part, you know, like, oh, I like this logo. I like this font, you know, I want modern, I want clean and and in in the discovery call. And I think steering them more away from that in the very beginning and then diving into the process is such a great way to sell them not only on your services, but on your confidence in yourself and confidence sells like so well. So like in the very beginning when I didn't really have a very established process and I would be, you know, on the phone with someone, I'm sure that translated over, you know, to the to the client and you know imagine like talking to someone who's like yeah well I guess we can maybe do a questionnaire (laughs) instead of like the first phase is I take a questionnaire and then I'm going to create a beautiful brand strategy for you including mood board color palette all of that you know there's a very big difference between the two and so you know your design process while it is pretty internal it is the bones of your client experience, which is then the bones of your referrals in the future. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. I'd actually like to kind of shed some light into sales calls because I know you mentioned, maybe this is something that you already do, but you mentioned earlier in this call that when it comes to the design process that some clients tend to get a little bit overwhelmed. So what I find is one of the easiest ways that I find in order to one kind of position myself as an authority, but also kind of ease them into the entire call and how things are going to work is to really start off with one, what do they need? But then right after that, instead of start pitching, like what, how I'm going to help them specifically, like either design process wise or the deliverables, I focus first on the transformation. And that's like a very slow and easy way to start it off because They already know, even the they don't know exactly how you're going to help them. They know their results. They know how they're going to feel. And as long as you're able to touch on that, you sell them right then and they already want to work with you. So then after that, if they're already like, you're asking, how does that feel? Does that sound like something that you need and that you want? And they say yes. Not only did you already get a yes, which makes it easier to then get the final yes at the end. But then at that point, you can start moving into the process and they're already mentally more uh, perceptive and understanding. And it kind of breaks things up. So it's not as daunting, like, wait, what what was the process? What do I have to do? Um, So I I just found I wanted to share that because I found that something that really helps me uh, close calls. That's awesome. I just learned something, guys. This podcast is not just for the people listening. Like, I am seriously leveling up here, like, as we speak. Thank you so much, Steph, for sharing that. That is super, super yeah. valuable. You're very welcome. I, 
I can start talking about the sales call so much right now. I recently like learned a little bit more from my current mastermind about sales calls. And um, my coach was saying like, oh, you want to ask questions where they're going to answer the word yes, because then subconsciously they're saying yes to you. So then when you answer the actual question in the end, they you already got the yes. And that's what you were kind of tapping into stuff. And that's why I was smiling like ear to ear about this. <laughs> and this morning, in, in fact, I was listening to like a recap of um, how to win friends and influence people. I don't know if you, if you guys ever read yeah, that, but I've heard of it. I, read I it need last. to read it. It's good. It's really, really long, but <laughs> it's a good read. It's an easy read. Anyway, I read it last summer and I thought, you know, a lot of that stuff we already know. So you're going to read it and be like, oh, I know this. I know that. But then there's other stuff that you're like, oh, okay. It's almost like reading a sociology book where you're like, oh, this has a term and this has a term and this has a term <laughs> when you already know it, you know? Oh, that's so, so interesting. I just listened to it this morning because I wanted to get a refresh without having to actually read it again. And one of the chapters was about having people say yes a lot and having that question being said. And, and then he said like, oh, salespeople use this tactic a lot where they ask questions so that you say yes. And they're small little like digestible questions so that they're just like, I am regurgitating what you're saying. Is that what you're trying to tell me? And then the person will be like, yes, that's that's what I said. And, you know, things like that, like small things like that. And so I, I just looked around like, whoa, everything is connected. It was one of those moments <laughs> where you're like, when people are telling you stuff and you're not really listening and then you hear it in a different context and you're like, oh, okay, but I have heard this before. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh my anyway, I kind of went off on a rant. Oh, but... <laughs> no, that's great. Oh, I, I mean, it. like, I haven't really like delved too far into the psychology behind, you know, that sales call. I feel like that is such a meaty topic. Oh my goodness. We should totally do an episode about that in season three. But before we get too, I say before we get too off track, but it is like legit me, like making us go off track as well. So you're, you guys are fine. I think it's all of us at this point, it's, but we love that's, it. <laughs> we, that's why, that's why we did a podcast. We love it. Um, I would love to talk about the refinement or revisions phase as well as collecting client feedback because I think that is such an integral part of every design process. So Steph, we would love to hear how you collect client feedback and how you kind of optimize that feedback and that process to help you get more of those yeses and less of the, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, it has definitely been refined multiple, multiple times. <laughs> I've, I've definitely gotten the whole, oh, I don't like it, but I'm not really sure why. And I just oh. froze and I'm like, uh-oh. Like, I just started how, sweating. How do I move past? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is definitely a very important thing. I anybody should be adding and taking some time to think about when it comes to their overall process and how they're going to handle uh, any client situation. I think it's all really the key item is asking the right questions. So it's about digging deep into the why. So sometimes you might have to ask why a million times. But what I like to do is have my own form where there's a specific questions already so we can dig deep into the real reason why they're not liking it. And always, I think what helps us move forward is flipping it back to okay so what like is the client like so, like your ideal clients gonna resonate with that or is it just you that's being uh for the lack of a better word picky so when you start to separate it that way and it's not hey it's what you like and you're second guessing we're trying to find something that's going to resonate with your ideal client and that they're gonna feel some sort of uh either relationship or attraction to that i think is really powerful because on one hand it definitely sets you up as the authority because they start to realize oh right you're the expert and you truly know why we're designing something as 
as opposed to just, again, making it pretty. So that divide, once they start seeing you more as the expert and the authority, they start second guessing your work less. Wonderful. That's so great. Yeah. Giselle, do you want to shed some light on kind of how you handle the revisions and refinements phase? I 100% agree with Steph. I found that to be like a really effective way of getting feedback from a client because a lot of the times, you know, they're coming in from their own perspective and oh my God, even worse, like they ask somebody like their husband or wife or coworkers like, oh, my coworkers hate it. I'm like, yeah, but are your coworkers your your ideal client? (laughs) (laughs) So having ways like you could even like write out a content document about like feedback objections and then put things like that you've been hearing and then think about like what can I say that can detach the client from the subjective opinions about the project and and really positioning them back into the target audience's mind and so asking like I mean, there's like a million questions that you could think of, but the only one I can think of right now is uh, asking when they tell you, let's say, oh, you know, I just don't really like that color blue. Then you could say, well, what do you think the client or the ideal customer would say about this blue color? Like, how would they feel? So if you're asking them, how would this other person feel? Then they can detach themselves about how they feel. And there's way better ways of asking that so that you don't make the client feel like they're no longer thinking from themselves. Like you can like kind of do little mind tricks like that. I don't know, but (laughs) that's a whole other expert level. In addition to that is I just wanted to tell the one listener that's probably listening in right now that doesn't save previous files because I'm sure this person exists (laughs) (laughs) is that sometimes a client will ask for an edit of some kind and then they'll ask for another one and another one. It's probably happened to me where they've asked for five and then they literally end up with the thing you sent them the first time. (laughs) And I am not kidding. This is not a joke. (laughs) And you guys are laughing because it's happened This is not a drill. This is a real-life situation. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag relatable. I know. Yeah. (laughs) This happened for a social media graphic, so that was no big deal. But yeah, have have a working files, which is why a lot of us save the, you know, version one, version two, version three, final, final version two, version three. I know. Final, final, final. (laughs) For real this time, final. I know. But... Um, And in those, like, I'm usually working off of Illustrator. If I'm creating some sort of, you know, typographic treatment, uh, wordmark, or any kind of thing where I went through a few steps to create it and how to outline it, I still say or like keep the original version where I before I've outlined the strokes or before I outline the the typography, like I keep that off to the side in the artboard in case I ever have to go back to that and make a small tweak and I'm saving myself a heck of a lot of time later down the line based off of the client's feedback. Yes. So, yeah. Just for that one person that's listening. <laughs> I know. Start doing that. <laughs> Change your ways, please, for our sake. Um, yeah. But yes, my my um, exploration docs that I use for kind of just the explosion of, you know, exploring a, a brand uh, logo and mark and all that, I try to keep both outlined and text versions. And I try not to like when I'm designing you'll see probably like a line of things that all look the same at first glance but they all have very different like little tweaks to them Um, and that's kind of my way of doing version control without having a million different files version one version two etc but I was gonna say Giselle when you were talking about subjective opinions that's something that Brie from Rowan Maid talks about in her course branding with Brie and she uses two questions in her refinement phase just two she keeps really, really simple, which I like. And this has worked well for me. The first question is, what aspects of this design 
color, typography, illustration, etc., will resonate with your target market and why. And the second question is, what aspects of this design, you know, color, typography, whatever, will not resonate with your target market and why? And those two questions she sends along like with the concept presentation. So she says, when you are looking at this, look at it from the perspective of your ideal client and keep these questions in mind. And I think that that is a really great way to kind of guide the client away from, I hate this color blue to, (laughs) I'm imagining I'm putting myself in my client's shoes. What are they going to think? And they might still hate the color blue, but they'll at least have a reason why. And that is going to help guide you into the direction of the approval rather than the, I don't know why I don't like it. That's really powerful because you're no longer asking, do you like it? You're yes. asking a very specific question. So nine times out of 10, no one's going to come back and give you their own personal opinion. They're just going to answer your question, make them feel more confident if the answer is, let's say, that's right and my ideal client is going to like it. So yeah. definitely, I can see how that would help move your design process forward and just the overall project. That's yes. Really Another thing that she is very passionate about is referring to the revisions phase as refinements. And I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about this a lot is that she really feels strongly that the word revision implies that there's going to be something wrong with the the design when presented. And that, that's not always the case. You want to give the client the option to say, yes, perfect, no changes, you know? So refinements, it's a little bit more approachable. It's a little bit like, let's tweak here, let's tweak there. She's always talking about small, what small changes can we make to bring this to the next level? How can we tweak? How can we change on a small level rather than like, let's make a revision, which could be like, I don't like the type. When that happens, it's like, all right, back to the drawing board. (laughs) But when we're talking about tweaks or small refinements, it's like, maybe we thicken it up a little bit, or maybe we thin it out. You know, maybe there's a little bit more breathing room or just like, or even color changes. It's like, oh, could you change the color? It's like, yeah, girl, I can change the color in two seconds. You know, like, (laughs) yes. So I, I, I love that. That is a very powerful word to use instead of the word revision. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, like, you know, like what you were saying too, but um, in addition to it, like the client could feel like they have to use the revision. Like, oh, I paid for the two revisions, so let's use them. Right. Right. As opposed to like refinement doesn't sound like a full thing. It sounds like, hey, there's like little tweaks in here. Optional refinements. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that that's a very powerful. So pay attention um, to your language. Change yeah. of words. You yes. don't necessarily need to use, you know, what I use or what you know Giselle or Steph uses, but your language, your your clients internalize that, and the way that you present. Go listen to our other episode about presenting concepts to clients is very important. But we are running out of time. I wish I could talk to you guys forever, Steph. We wanted to give you an opportunity to discuss some resources that you're currently creating for brand designers all around the design process. So definitely go ahead and tell us about that. So I'm actually really excited because I just launched the design experience shop. So what that is, is anything that goes into whether it's the client experience, the design process, even internally for your own business. I have a couple of resources there that you can take a look at, take advantage of, whether you want a bundle or a piece by piece, depending on what it is that your needs and wants are at that specific time. So to kick it off, the one that has been my bread and butter would be the brand strategy kit. 
So this is great for designers that are feeling a little bit lost, perhaps, on the whether they're attracting the right kind of people, why they're not getting the traction that they want. So what it does, it's essentially like a mini course. It teaches you the ins and outs of brand strategy. So you can use it either within your business to provide that clarity and make sure that you know your ideal client persona, what your messaging and your story is going to be like, and how you're going to pave a path and set your goals in order to grow your business. Or alternatively, you can actually utilize it if you're looking to pivot into becoming a brand strategy expert, because it lays down all of the groundwork and it's stuff that the way that is split up into chapters, it's stuff that you can implement and apply and use as your own brand strategy process inside your business. So that mini course also comes with workbooks. It's got specific prompts and questions that will help you come up with your own strategy or assist your own clients in coming up with theirs. So that is number one product. It's probably the biggest one that I have inside the design experience shop. And then other than that, the others are more brand design specific. So it's all the templates that I use inside of my business that guide you through the process, whether that is a proposal and onboarding slash welcoming questionnaire. I love that because it sets the groundwork for the entire project. And it's where you get to set the expectations the tips, reiterate any important clauses within your contract that you want to make sure people don't forget. Like sometimes people forget that whatever you outline in the scope is what they paid for. And if they want an extra revision or an extra whatever, they got to pay, let's say your hourly rate. They forget that. And that's the most awkward conversation to have. It's like, well, actually that's an extra hundred dollars or an extra 500, whatever it will be. (laughs) So being able to like set that right off the bat is really helpful. But like I said, the continuation of the process, you've got the client questionnaire, how to deliver the design concepts, uh, a feedback question, cheat sheets, brand guidelines, and finally off board. I will have more things as we go along. So if you guys have anything that you're feeling that you could really use inside of your design business, let me know. I'm always willing to take feedback and kind of bring that to life for you guys. But that's essentially it. It's a shop for you to utilize in whichever way you want. That's going to be so helpful for our listeners and how would they reach you if they had any questions or anything like that would it be like instagram or email i would say instagram is probably the easiest but i actually had somebody email me today and ask about the templates and when it was going to open and i'm more than open to responding to those emails as well but instagram steph wharton underscore is the easiest and quickest way to get in touch with me this has been such I, I, w- I always say at the end of the episode, it's been a great conversation, but truly, truly, thank you so much for joining us today. We wish we could talk for another hour, but we do have our wrap-up inbox question to answer. So, Giselle, do you want to read the question for us? Yes. So, uh, this question comes from Olivia Finley. She asks, lately, I've been really exploring how to get clients to trust me more. I have some clients who trust me completely and the project flows effortlessly. And then other clients who love my work, but nitpick and won't let me drive the creative direction. What do you guys think? I think this touches a little bit on what we may have talked um, throughout this entire episode. However, um, just to kind of reiterate and shed some more light on that, it's really about making sure that you're explaining your thought process when you're delivering these concepts. Because clients, uh, usually they're not designers, so they might not understand why we pick certain elements, but they also can't read your mind the same way that we can't read theirs. So it it is really helpful to explain even like the nitty gritty, like why you pick this font? Why is it thin as opposed to bold? Why did you use these colors? Why did you use these flourishes? And being able to do that and always tie it back to their 
goals and how they want to grow their business and how one of them attract their clients. It's again, that whole theme of positioning yourself as an expert. And that way, when you relay your message in a convincing way, you, you will convince them. And if they don't, honestly, let it go. <laughs> it's not always <laughs> going to happen, but we can yeah. try to optimize as much as possible. Yeah, that that is so great. I think what came to mind for, for me when I read this question was something small that I do in my concept presentations. I include a short not even paragraph, like maybe two sentences underneath each design that I present. And I use words that have been approved from the brand strategy in those sentences. So this is something that I can reference in case the client has an adverse reaction or in case they don't understand why I made a specific decision. For example, um, I'll say a logo is, this logo is fresh, it's youthful. The fact that it is, you know, both bold, but also high contrast shows how your ideal client is, you know, very confident, but also willing to be flexible. And and if those are words that I've used in my brand strategy, which has been approved by the client, if they have questions about that, I kind of use that as a jumping off point to say like, hey, like, let's go back to the brand strategy. Like, this is why I made these designs, these design decisions. And so I found that to be a little helpful um, thing that I do when I'm presenting concepts and something that I fall back on in case there is some sort of contention there. Yeah, I love that. It goes back to implementing that yes tactic, right? Like, telling them, hey, like, let's look back on this strategy, like discovery phase. Is this something that you approved? Yes. Like, is this, you know, ask a little bit about that strategy and then go over to to the direction again and ask them about that. I have personally had this conflict with certain clients where they wanted something in specific and they weren't letting me drive the creative direction. And I talked to, um, someone in our industry that's a lot higher, you know, top level, like ran a design agency for a long time and then sold it kind of thing. And he told me that there are two types that you can be as a designer. You could be the consultant or you can be the order taker. And you start that relationship with the client very early on. And it is very, very extremely difficult to go from order taker to consultant in this relationship. So a lot of the times what designers have to do is end that relationship with the client and seek clients that view you as a consultant. But you, you know, there's it's a two way street, like you also have to present yourself as a consultant. So coming in with like, you know, when you're t- getting feedback from somebody, and they tell you like, change this, change that, and you don't really question it. Um, be- when you don't agree with it, then you're really building that order taker mentality for the client. So think about like your intention with that and how, what you're how you're presenting yourself with these types of clients. And then, you know, as I think we should really think of ourselves as consultants first, where we come in with the strategy, with this intention, with thinking about the target audience and like thinking about all this other stuff and bringing that forth to the client and explaining to them why certain things need to you know, happen this way or that way. And if sometimes, yeah, like if the client still won't budge and wants to do you, you to do things their way, then you're going to have to let them go possibly. So take that with a grain of salt. I thought about it for some time and I actually took the advice and I'm a lot happier with the type of clients that I have now. <laughs> yes. So. I think there really is something to be said about being comfortable with pushing back a little bit. I see that with a lot of designers that are more senior than me. I see how comfortable they are with questioning where the client is coming from and not being shy about it. And in the end, most of the time, the client appreciates that. They're like, you know what? I didn't think about that. It's like, okay, well, 
you want it bold, but I thought we were doing really um, thin and feminine for for your audience. You know, can you tell me a little bit more about that decision? And like the client will just take a moment and be like, oh, you know what? Yeah, maybe maybe it should be thin and feminine, you know, like it's. And so I am always in awe when I, I read these email chains from, you know, studios that I that I freelance for and, and, and things like that. Like it's, it's like, wow, you're not scared to really stand up for yourself as a consultant. So I think that's so mm-hmm. valuable, which is all that said. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that I, with us. Yeah. My pleasure. And going back to what you said too, you know, having that confidence to to present yourself that way, right? Yeah. So hopefully that goes well. Let us know what happens because we yes. would actually like to hear back from you. Yes. And, it, you know, people are posting all the time in the Facebook group about client situations they're having. I think that's probably the type of post we get most often is, yeah, I'm having this problem with this client and people will jump all over it. The advice comes from so many different places and someone might have a solution to the problem that you're currently experiencing. So open up, share in the Facebook group. We're a family. We want to support you. So with all that being said, Steph, thank you so much for coming on this episode. We had such a great time chatting with you and everyone go check out the design experience shop this is something that is so needed in our industry so many new designers are starting up every single day so thank you so much jen and giselle it's been an absolute pleasure to be hosted here honestly you guys have the best community and is the main reason why i wanted to be a part of it and kind of give back and share a little bit of my experience so thank you again well we really appreciate your expertise and your time thank you so much thank you thank you awesome well we will see you guys in the facebook group and in the next episode. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air or want to get in contact with us directly or are interested in a guest interview slot, reach out at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. There are so many amazing conversations happening inside our Facebook community. We'd love to hang out with you in there. Search for Better the Brand Designer podcast to join us. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and each other.